0: I'm Michelle and I'm Christy and we're new moms in old bodies if you're a new mom in your 30s or 40s great news you're trending but the advice out there is so 2012 and we quickly learn that what works for those young 20-something moms and what works for us is completely different I mean think about how much
1: you have changed in the last 15 or 20 years Our minds, bodies, and spirits are so different. The advice that's focused on younger moms just doesn't quite fit what's happening with us. So we're here to talk about that. All of that.
0: So if you're using eye cream with your diaper cream, then you're in the right place. Click subscribe to join the Old Moms Club podcast and come along this journey with us as we figure out what the heck we're doing as new moms in Old Bodies. Three, two, one. Hey, OMC. Oh my gosh, we are so excited to be recording today. We have missed recording this podcast so much. Christy, I've missed you. How have you been? We have been really good. We've been really good. And I want you guys to know Michelle and
1: I have both been working really hard on generating some really good content and really good topics and really good guest speakers. So these next few episodes of the
0: OMC are going to be ones that you do not want to miss. Especially this one today, I got to say, because even though I'm married, I'm not going through this experience. I think this is so incredibly valuable. And what what's the statistic? I think it's like over 50% of divorce or marriages end in divorce these days, which is, you know, very sad, but so many of them have children too. And I think it's so incredibly important just for people to be prepared. So if this is not your experience, you know, if custody court is not on your radar, the reality is we all probably have a friend that could use this information, right? So
1: it's not something that you're going through, but you are, you're going through it with me.
0: Exactly. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. It really did kind of feel like we were going through a lot of this together. You know, we were texting and researching and figuring out the best ways to kind of handle the custody court scenario. And it's very complicated. And of course, there are like different scenarios in every state. But generally, there are just some like really important main things that people need to know about. So we're going to be deep diving into Christy's experience today (laughs) and learning all about every single thing that you need to know as you go through the process um, and how to not only just go through the experience, but also come out thriving.
1: Yes, and I think that's important. This isn't going to be like a bashing session. You're probably not going to find out all the gossip that you want to find out. The, the intent behind this episode is to help you because mm-hmm. resources are not out there. There are some things that you can only learn by going through it. There are things people only tell you the day that it happens. Um, and I feel just like comfort level overall would be different, stress level overall would be different. If there was access to that information somewhere. So our goal and our intent today is just to let you know what it's like, what to expect, what you should be doing, and then kind of the aftermath, like how it's all leveled out.
0: Right. That's so true. And I feel like this topic has been on our radar for so long, but the reality is like you really kind of need to get to the point of where it's finished, and you can take a deep breath to really like reflect on everything and process it effectively. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited about this episode, believe it or not, this topic, even though it feels heavy. I think a lot of the heaviness that comes along with entering this experience of going through custody court is just the unknown like so much of the anxiety is the unknown and so hopefully if that is you know part of your experience we're here to alleviate just a little bit of that um anxiety that comes along with the experience and um yeah and and just help you through it we're here together (laughs) y'all yeah so christy i mean just to start off why don't we just deep dive right on into it, to share a little bit about um, your past relationship and how you kind of entered the experience of custody court.
1: Okay, so I think that is important because like you said, in each state, things are different. And so ours was a little bit different right off the bat because um, we actually live in different states, um, which was part of the issue from, day one. Um, When Eden's father and I were dating, when we were together, when I was pregnant, when she was born, the months after she was born, we lived in the state of Louisiana where I owned a home. Um, He did not have any property or anything that he owned, so we chose to be here um, however, he was still driving back and forth to Texas um, for his job being self-employed, um, which are all, and I say that because all of those are going to factor in, they, they are. Mm-hmm. So in an honest attempt to make it work, Eden and I moved to Texas, and then shortly after we did that, he filed for custody because he thought we were in Texas and that that would prevent us from being able to go back home. Um, So long story short, that did not turn out the way he thought that it would. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. there are just important things in that process that I think you should know. Um, The day you're served papers, Obviously, that's a very stressful day. You see it on TV, you've been served. Um, and nobody really knows what that means, but I think that's a big part of it. The man that actually served us, um, served me the court papers, was one of the nicest men that I met through this entire process. And so he showed up. I was staying um, at my mom's house at that time. He showed up at my mom's house. You've been served. And he explained every single thing, like, this is what it means. You just have to sign here to say that you receive these papers and that you will be in court on this day. So the particular county that we were in, in Texas, I was served papers on a Tuesday and I had to be ready for court that same Thursday. Wow. Like, I had a day to prepare, basically. Wow. For court, for custody of my child.
0: Now, I have a question. So you were served papers because he filed the paperwork first. Do you regret not filing paperwork first? Or what was your reasoning for not filing first?
1: I had no reason to believe I was not going to be able to go
0: home. What do you mean?
1: I mean, I felt like I could take Eden and we could go back to our house and live our happy little life. Um, and we had worked out an, a visitation agreement
0: between ourselves. Okay. So you didn't think that you needed to go to custody court because you had arranged something like on your own. So you're like, okay, so we don't need to go to court for this.
1: Right. We okay. um, we were not married. Um I lived in Louisiana, we had arranged a custody agreement, we were both following it, so I didn't see a reason that we needed
0: to do that. Um, do you regret now, looking back on it, do you regret now not being the one to file, or do you? would you still have made the same decision because it didn't really make sense to you to file?
1: Yeah, I don't think that... Um, who files is gonna be the issue. Like if you have a good judge, they're going to listen to both sides. Um, That was the thing that I heard about this judge. Uh, People had told me he is going to read every single document. He is gonna look at every single thing. He is gonna do what is in the best interest of the child. I don't think that's gonna matter. I filed first or you filed first. Um, I think what it does show is aggression. I'm not going to agree to the things that we agreed to, I'm not going to do the things that we agreed to, and I'm going to fight you the rest of my life to make your life miserable. I think that's
0: what it shows. Mm. Uh, Especially if you already have um, an agreement that you've come up with beforehand. Okay, that makes sense to me.
1: Right. So I, um, so I'm going to go back to the man that served the papers, Mm -hmm. served the papers. He read over them. You're expected to be in court on Thursday morning. This is the way it works. Do you have any questions? And I pointed to the lady that was the name of the attorney that he had used. And I said, yes, I want to know who is a better attorney than that. (laughs) So he started laughing and he gave me a list of names. And I thought that was very cool. Like I appreciated that very much. So the first second that somebody tells you, like, do you have any questions? Start asking questions. Who's the better attorney? You know, what can I do that's better? How can I get this done better? Um, so, so papers were served. I had to be in court on Thursday morning. Um, the only difference it would have made if I would had done it versus he would have done it is if I had done it, it would have happened in the state of Louisiana. And if he had done it, it would have happened in the state of Texas. He thought he was a resident of Texas, so that would be better for him. But Texas actually has better laws to protect children. Uh, <laughs> the child support laws, the custody laws, the visitation laws, Texas has what's known as an under three agreement, um, which means, like we know standard possession is this. However, you have a baby, they're under three, they need stability. so we're going to do what's in the best interest for the child. Um, whereas it's not just a blanket like Louisiana has. So that worked out in our favor as well.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. (laughs) So then you're in the process of looking for an attorney. What do you recommend someone look for? Like, how do you start that process? Did you just Google? Well, it sounds like you got a list of names. How did you narrow it down? Well, in um, one day.
1: <laughs> yeah, in those that day that I had to do it, um, you don't have time um, to really do all the things. Looking back, that I would recommend now, you don't have time because out of the list of names that he gave me on a Tuesday, zero of them were available to be in court on Thursday, um, which I would think would be a sign of a good attorney. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. girl on tuesday to get your hair done on thursday and she said come on in you don't you know so they were all busy um i went around the square downtown literally knocking on doors every single attorney i found two that were going to be available on that next day or and so we had a family friend that had you know been practicing law for several years and we called him, got some advice from him. He was also not available, but wanted to help us. So he referred us to another one of his friends who cleared the schedule, made time, and I really, really did appreciate it um, because he called me that same day. We'll be there on Thursday, but that's because we knew the people to make that happen. If you don't know the people to make that happen, I really don't know what what you would do so
0: knock on doors like you did
1: I mean to me that was the very first miracle involved in this whole process was that I actually found someone to be there on Thursday um because I think in their head they thought we're gonna surprise her with this she's not gonna be prepared she's gonna agree to everything that we want Mm. yeah and and that's not what happened
0: right (laughs) yeah so then tell us about the first court date like what was what happens at the first one
1: well before you even make it to the first one there is a lot of back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and i will say now as i told him then um when he filed papers i sat down with him in a very mature very civil i'm just letting you know This is not what you want to do. Um, This is not the route that you want to go. Because right now, the agreement that we have, I am giving you more time than a judge will ever give you. Mm -hmm. And he chose to go ahead because he wanted custody and he wanted us to not be able to go back home. So, and I would like to say in the end, at that moment, I was giving him more time than the judge gave him. So I think mother's intuition is strong. I think common sense is a huge factor um, that was missing strongly Mm -hmm. for half of this case. Um, (laughs) But there's a lot of back and forth. So at first, they're going to come at you and say, okay, this is what we want. Um, And then you say, yes, I agree to that or no, I don't agree to that. Um, and you go back and forth, your attorney and their attorney will try to negotiate.
0: And this is before the court date. So like you get served on Tuesday and then on Wednesday y'all are negotiating. Oh, no, I'm so
1: sorry. No, on Thursday morning, we showed up together in court. Um, that was the first time I had seen my attorney in person. Uh, that, that was the first time that I had seen them in person. Um, But so you, but in the hallway they were negotiating. Yes. Even at that day before he came back, my attorney came back and said, okay, this is what they want. Do you agree to this? No, this is what I want. Okay, we're gonna go to court because nobody's giving. So you go, the first time you go before the judge and the judge basically just says, okay, you're not married. You don't agree who should see this child this is the baby, this is your name, this is their name, this is where you live, this is where they live. Okay, we'll set a court date. That's Okay, so
0: the first court date is actually just to set a future court date.
1: Yeah, basically, if you agree on anything, the first court date is just to set a future court date. So I would not even worry about the very first date. I would go, I would say, no, I don't agree to it. You would get your court date set. And then you have plenty of time for (laughs) the next court date to take care of what you need to take care of. So that very first part, I think that very first part was very stressful because nobody knows. Nobody knows what's happening. Um, But yes, sign your papers, show up at court, set a new court date. That's all that happens the first round.
0: So what does the custody look like in between that point and Your future court date?
1: So we had a temporary arrangement that they created on that day um, that we both had to agree to, but it was very, it was what we had been doing. It was the arrangement that we had agreed on previously. If you didn't have that, I don't know what you would do, Um, but we had previously agreed on an arrangement. And so we just we signed a paper that said, we'll do this agreement until we go to court.
0: Yeah. And was that, was that agreement, was it easy to stick to that agreement or, um, no fight it or what was, what happened there?
1: Yes. So that part is where it gets very, very tricky because there are, um, it's a temporary agreement, which actually means the, the local law enforcement can't enforce it mm-hmm. um, if it hasn't been filed and approved by a judge. Well, if it had been filed and approved by a judge, you would have already had a court date. <laughs> so right. there there were instances where I had to take that paperwork to the local police department and say, he has my child. This is our agreement. He won't give her back. What can I do? and they would say, you can do nothing until this has a judge's signature on it.
0: Oh my gosh. So what did you do?
1: Um, Thankfully, it was a small town. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I do think in that situation, that, it, that was a benefit. It was a small town. Um, the chief of police knew him. He knew the chief of police, like they'd done work together. So the chief of police thought it would maybe Just be in everyone's best interest for him just to knock on the door and say, hey, you know, you don't really want to get in trouble for this. You don't want to go to jail for this. You don't want this to be an issue. Let's do the right thing here. So they were resolved relatively easily. Um, But I know people in law enforcement um, that say getting called to a domestic dispute is the scariest thing you can do as a police officer.
0: It's true. Uh, Yeah. Coming um, from a law enforcement family, that is when that's one of the most dangerous scenarios, they say.
1: um, Emotions are high. You know, people are, that's what they're willing to fight over. So coming from um, law enforcement, you know, those domestic disputes can be the scary situations to get into. I think we were lucky to you know, get to avoid all of that because it was a small town and they knew him and, you know, he would listen to them. So uh, that, that's kind of how that temporary agreement went. Um, And so then during the time of that temporary agreement, the attorneys are negotiating back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We want this, we want this, we want this, we want this. Um, And we were not agreeing on what that time should look like because he basically wanted all the time and no support.
0: <laughs> um, what do you mean I, by no support?
1: Um, I mean, financially, uh, mm. he you know oh. wants to pay less than the state minimum. Mm. So um, we, you know, the evidence, I'm not going to get into the evidence that we had Um, but it got pretty ugly in the middle. And so they, um, the attorney suggested we do a court Gosh, What was it called? I can't even remember what it was called now. A custody evaluation. We had to do a a full custody evaluation as assigned by the court. And so what that is, is a social worker um, who will take up all of your time, which you want her to be thorough and fair. The first meeting that I had with her was about three hours long. Um, It was an actual written mental evaluation bubble in the correct answer test for about three hours. Um, And then there's like a air quote counseling session after that. I think that's just kind of the beginning baseline for her to establish who you are, where you're coming from and what your thoughts are about it. Um, So I am telling this story from my point of view. We both had to do these things. It's not like they were evaluating me and he didn't have to go through this. We both had to go through this. Uh So the first, I think the first two sessions are, evaluation, like fill in the blank test like that um, to determine that situation. And then she interviews your friends. She interviews your family. She checks your references. She goes to your house. She sees what you're cooking. She checks your cabinets. She checks your living environment. She goes to your work. She talks to everybody that knows you if she's doing her job correctly and and to and then at the end makes a recommendation for what she feels like based on these two scenarios is in the best interest of the child
0: Mm -hmm. and as someone like I was on your list of friends who was called um by her and honestly it was like a maybe, it was probably less than 10 minute conversation. And it was just very basic questions. How do you know Christy? Um, What's your experience in the past been with her? And um, how do you think she is as a mother? And do you have any concerns? What do you know about the father? Um, It was very, very, very basic and didn't, honestly, it didn't feel like she dug very deep. It was just kind of like, okay, I checked the box, so to speak. And um, thank you for your time. It was like, between five and 10 minutes tops. So so that's what they were asking. And then, of course, we wrote a letter on behalf of Christy um, for the court. So one... Thing that I want to make sure that everyone anyone who's going through this experience it does is make sure that they document every single thing that happens like if even if they agree and ask on a time change for um for when they'll have the child like literally document every single thing that's one thing that I learned by watching my sister go through the experience was that information is so incredibly valuable. Take pictures of everything. Write down every single um, conversation that happens. There is an app. I know. I don't know if it um, is just used after the process or after the um, custody court has been in place, but it might um, it might be useful during the temporary time as well. So my sister also went through this experience honestly, it was, it's kind of still going on. And my niece is 16. It's, it's been a high conflict situation is what they call it. So whenever there is a high conflict situation, there's an app that they use. It's called my family wizard. And so they actually communicate through that Um, through that platform so that every single thing is documented and that the courts can, the judge can just pull that up and look at all the communication. Um, So there is that option in high conflict uh, custody court situations where there's been like maybe some abuse or manipulation or anything like that, that's like, on the extreme side. So there is that option available for people that might need that as well.
1: And I do, I think that's a very, very, very important um, thing to bring up. I knew as a teacher, should this ever go to court, I'm going to need documentation. So Mm -hmm. obviously I knew Things were not going well. I knew we were not going to stay in Texas. I knew what was happening in my life before I made the move to move back to Louisiana. But having my educational background, I also knew I needed to be documenting things. I think that is something that a lot of people don't know. Um, And it can be very simple. Um, Friday morning, March 17th, At 9 a.m., he said, blah, 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 blah. Or this instance happened, blah, 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 blah. Just keep a spiral notebook, write it down, keep it in the notes in your phone. Um, All of that is gonna benefit you. And something that we learned also during court is if you do have correspondence that you need to have happen, email is really the best way to do that, Um, courts will look at text messages, but they don't value them as high as email. So, I mean, oftentimes now, just because we are alive in the world, um, you know, I have friends that say, oh my gosh, look at, you know, everything that he said, everything that she said, you know, scrolling through the text messages in their own personal lives. The court doesn't care what your text messages say, period.
0: Well, and not only that, um, I know from my own personal experience that text messages can actually be altered, believe it or not. So I had a bad breakup before I was with Matt and this person, I found out they were cheating on me like the entire relationship, right? And so we, when I found out that day I ended up blocking him, I had multiple girls Reaching out to me like, wait, I've been dating your boyfriend. Um, I was like getting all these messages on social media. It was really crazy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, he started messaging those people and his friends fake text like screenshots of fake text message conversations that he was making up and I'll admit they were actually really good like they actually sounded like me I was like wait did I say that and I was like wait a minute no we're we're blocked like they were good so text messages can be altered and deleted there is email is definitely the way to go Yeah. And how he altered them, I ended up trying to find it afterwards because I was like, how the heck did he do that? I think there's apps. So obviously don't do this because it's lying. It's manipulation. It's bad. And frankly, if you're doing it to someone else, I I wonder if that's considered perjury of some kind. I don't know. Or fraud. I don't know. But um, but yeah, people... People can (laughs) manipulate a lot of things. So the email is definitely the way to go in a custody situation.
1: And I will say, yes, email everything and um, social media be very, very limited on what you post. I mean, don't even post pictures of your child because they're going to hes posting pictures of your child on the internet where, and I'll tell you, there were instances where he would post something on his social media that was a direct threat to me. Wow. um so he posted a photo that i felt was like a direct threat to me
0: you know yeah, you're saying your i remember night. that yeah <laughs>
1: okay so he posted a photo that i felt like was a direct threat to me and then we had a conversation about it off of social media we had a real life conversation about it so mm-hmm. i was trying to show people mainly his mother because she ran the whole show from his point of view, Um, the harassment that I was going through on a daily basis. So I posted it so she would see like, this is what I'm dealing with on a daily basis. And I think that's like actually something that I said. Um, And so at the end of the day, and this may be a male versus female thing, that's a whole different rabbit hole. I was the one that got in trouble for posting it. Hmm. And then if I post a picture of my daughter on social media, then I'm putting my daughter out there. I'm exposing my daughter. I'm pimping out my daughter. You know, I've been told, but if he posts a picture on social media that actually went to court of, Oh,
0: he's such a good dad. He loves her so much. He posts her on his social media. Wow. You're so right. I never thought about it that way, but you are so right. Like that happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if I were in that scenario, I would immediately, and I would immediately go through, make everything private and delete anyone who is a mutual contact, like just delete everybody. You know, there's absolutely no reason why their friend needs to be friends with you on social media anymore. It's just not a thing.
1: (laughs) Or that you even really need social media. Um, Yeah, Yeah. shut it down for a while. Michelle and I both have accounts. We both have personal accounts and business accounts and personally branded accounts um, that we operate for our businesses. Like we actually Mm -hmm. make income from having these social media accounts. Um, If that's not your case, just shut it down. You're a
0: grown adult in custody court. You don't need it. Period. Right. Yeah, very true. Good point. Okay. So was there anything that like truly shocked you while you were going through the experience? Like what was the most shocking thing that you felt totally unprepared for?
1: Um, So, there were people in his family that I had previously very highly valued as people and Mm -hmm. as Christian women that were um, calling me for support. They were calling me to, you know, just let me know how much they loved me and Eden, calling me to let me know what was going on. Um, I have messages from and I guess it's just the absolute shocking things that they would say. Um, and I think too, that's part of it. And it's just, it's something that we do as a species to connect with people like, oh, you're going through this terrible thing. Let me tell you the terrible things that I've been through. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just something that we do. Right. Um, but in that, uh, he has an aunt who just goes on and on and on about how she is a Christian and how she just loves us so much and she's going to pray for us and she just wants the right thing to happen. And then to come out that she was actually lying to my face the entire time and yeah. took his side. Um and said she never said any of those things and again it's text messages I have you know text messages I have written evidence um I have call logs I have that kind of information but for her to just say that it didn't happen at all that the conversations never happened that she never said that um that to me is really the most shocking thing because I just And that's just an issue with me. I am appalled at the lack of integrity that these women have. Um, But that's an issue with me, like, in the world. Like, you'll find that's my biggest thing with just regular people. If you Uh say you're going to do it, do it. If you're not going to do it, don't say you're going to do it. Like, but especially don't lie to my face. Uh Don't lie to his face, because you're still a liar. Like, in any... Uh way about that situation you're still a liar. and don't don't be all claiming yourself as a Christian and doing all this for the greater good when that's the way that you're really acting
0: mm-hmm. um, especially- so they just kind of betrayed you and uh, through you know they said one thing to you and then betrayed you by saying other things in court is what you're saying like yes. taking his side in court when they weren't taking his side to your face. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely something I think people should be aware of is um, even if people sound like they're on your side or they have your best interest, if they are connected to your partner in some way, just take it with a grain of salt and really don't get into that, um, the deeper conversations or letting them know what's really going on, even if you have a solid um, history of communication and friendship or whatever with that person, just, not I would just explain to them, like, look, I really appreciate your support. Please understand that I just can't share very much right now until things are settled. That's just how I would handle it. Like, yeah, let them talk all day long because you want the evidence, right? But, but I would be cautious about how much you share with anyone that's connected to him because you don't know how things are going to play out You don't know if they might be lying to people on their side um, for to gain more support or understanding, you know, so that's definitely something to be aware of. So what do you think was the most challenging part of custody court?
1: Um, I think the most challenging part of custody court, sadly, is um, the financial strain that it puts you under. Um, And we did not talk about that at the, at the very beginning, but on that Tuesday, when you have to have an attorney by Thursday, you're looking at a five to $10,000 retainer that you have 24 hours to come up with. Right. And then, and then it never stops. Um, The custody evaluation, I think Um, Ended up being close to $6,000 more
0: um, every time. And that was an optional thing, right? Like, so if I remember correctly, it was put in the temporary orders that if one or both of the parents wanted to do an evaluation, have an evaluation on the other parent, then it would basically mean that both of you had to undergo this evaluation. Um, Right. And so it was an optional thing, and then he decided that yes, we wanted. I want to do that. So then both of you had to do it and pay for it. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um. So that, and then, um, so the custody evaluation I think ended up being close to six thousand dollars. Um, for the one that we for each person or total. Uh, total. So that okay. was total. And then your attorney fee, your initial uh, retainer is going to be five to 10. Every time you go to court, it's going to be about another five. Um, And then just general attorney fees, I think it's like, I don't know, $100 if they respond to an email or, you know, $300 to $800 an hour, depending on the kind of work that they're doing for you. So in this whole entire scenario, this person came at me because they wanted more than what we had agreed on. Instead of having an adult conversation about it, decided to file for custody. We wasted thirty dollars to $40,000. And he got less than our original agreement that was made outside of court. Wow.
0: Is is that thirty dollars to $40,000 between the two of you or your cost was thirty dollars to forty?
1: dollars uh, That was between the two of us.
0: Okay. Okay. So how much do you think you ended up spending overall, including the um, $3,000 for the optional custody evaluation?
1: I mean, I think... I think all in all, I'm at fifteen dollars or $20,000. Wow. It's still not paid off. I mean, that's the thing. And I say it's still not paid off. It's paid off to the courts and it's paid off to the attorneys. But I have, you know, loans and credit cards and things that are not paid off yet. Um, yeah. To be quite honest with you, I could not come up with $10,000 in 24 hours. And I yeah. think statistically, most of
0: America couldn't.
1: So... Mm-hmm. That is kind of something to have in in the background of your mind,
0: right? Yeah, hmm. that's interesting. Also, if you're still in that relationship and you're planning on leaving, and you're taking photos, just a random tip, <laughs> you can take photos and then create. Uh, you go into that photo that you just took, and on an iPhone, anyway in the upper right hand corner there's like the little three dots you can uh add it to an album and have like all of your stuff in one album and then you can also hide that album or if it's just like a couple photos you can hide those photos and then you can go back and view those later I think you end up having to use your face recognition um to view your hidden photos but That's, you know, just a tip. If you're gathering evidence out there, but you're still living in the home, um, that's what I would do.
1: (laughs) Of course, then I text them also. You can text them to one of your friends that you trust enough to have it.
0: Oh, that's so true. That's a really good point. And then it doesn't even have to be on your phone at the time. Yeah. right.
1: Um, We had, and what I did, I'll tell you um, what I did. I had uh, significant evidence that kind of changed the course of this whole thing, um, <clears throat> that I felt like people were going to come for mm-hmm. and a relatively dangerous thing to have. So what I did, also, I I couldn't give it to someone else, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't stupid, like, you know, Ghislaine and her little black book, I, <laughs> other people had access to, like, I sent it to someone that I trusted and said, if anything ever happens to me, this is what you use um Mm -hmm. keep it safe in my house I actually I just put it in like a manila envelope and with a sharpie I wrote Christy taxes 2017 on it and just put it you know in my filing cabinet in the open because who's gonna open that envelope
0: yeah oh my gosh that's brilliant (laughs) put all of your evidence in a tax folder
1: (laughs) oh I still have it
0: um it's not that folder anymore um but then okay so fast forward and you get to your court your actual court date tell us about what that day was like for you
1: um so (laughs) when we actually got to the actual court date um I believe it was it was the third was it the third one um because we had the one where we set the date we had the one where we had to go And then I believe this was number three. What Um, was the second court date about? I don't remember. I think it was, we got there, this is what they wanted. And we were like, no, we're not doing that. Um, And so just one last kind of, um, okay, this is what we're going to do. My attorney said, do you want me to try to negotiate with them again? Do you want me to tell them this is what we're willing to do? And literally, we were in court. I was like, that's fine. But then our time was up. So we walked into the courtroom. We're literally sitting in front of the judge. We're already there. And my attorney said, I need five minutes. And so we got together and he said, you know, last chance, do you wanna ask them like if they wanna to agree to this? And so then they, at that point they did wanna to talk to us because um, I think they didn't think I was going to produce evidence like I did. So at that point they did talk to us um, and they agreed to basically everything that we wanted at that point. Um, and then you go back in front of the judge And even until the very last second, his attorney was trying to just lie and manipulate things. Because as we like had this agreement written out, she she had to stand up and read it out loud um, just as court procedure. But in her standing up and reading it out loud, the judge actually said, you know what? That's not what this paper in front of me says. So can you read that part again? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Had to go back, read that part again. he changed a few things. He agreed to a few things. Um, and he, he basically was saying, okay, this is the way it's going to be. And the relief that came over me at that moment, I was bawling. I was crying so hard. The judge actually looked at me and said, I just gave you everything you wanted. Why are you crying? yeah. Had to get the bailiff to go get tissues for me. It was embarrassing. But I think it was just the relief of that it was finally over.
0: Right. And it's almost like you're holding in all of that emotion, just being strong for so many months during the entire experience. And then when it's over, you can finally, like, just take a breath and relax and, like, Someone has, yeah, things are just final and you can actually, there's a path, a clear path to move forward. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So, so what do you wish would have been like the one thing going into the experience? What's the one thing that you wish you would have known beforehand?
1: Um, and I think this is true. Like we've talked about with the medical profession. I wish that I'd have known at some point, it's okay to change attorneys.
0: Mm, Yeah. Um,
1: So there are things in the agreement that I still don't feel good about. Um, I also wish that I had an attorney that had told me we could have filed, um, fired our custody evaluator and started over. Not because it was anything bad for me, but guys, this lady's name was Ann Hatfield. She is a Mm -hmm. social worker in Tyler, Texas. With everything that you have in you, do not use her. This Mm -hmm. is my personal experience with Ann Hatfield. Mm -hmm. I arrived at her office. We did our little sessions. We did our little sessions. She was hired because she agreed that she could have it done by our court date. July came and went, didn't have it done. August came and went, didn't have it done. We had to go to court without this document, without this evaluation, without this thing that we had paid $6,000
0: for. Yeah, she missed the court date, which was the, so then you couldn't even use the information and you'd spent so much money and so much time doing this custody evaluation that was completely useless. It really was ridiculous. It was completely
1: useless. It was a huge waste of time. It was a huge waste of money. And so knowing that, hey, our court date is coming up, she's not going to have the evaluation, my attorney tried to schedule several different meetings with her. And the first one um, was Eden's dad and his attorney with me and my attorney and with Anne
0: Hatfield. And she just didn't show up. She just totally stood us up. I feel like I'm remembering so many things. Do you remember at one point we hadn't heard from her in so long and she had missed so many meetings that we were actually in fear for her life? And we yeah. were like, did she die? Like, there is absolutely no reason why we can't get a hold of this person who has all this information that you need going into court. Like, it was crazy. And we literally were like trying to find her husband on social media to see if like, we were looking up like crime reports to see if like something had happened to her because we were actually genuinely afraid that something she had, you know, died or something. Um, So yeah, it was really wild actually. I totally forgot about that.
1: So maybe this is an unreasonable expectation on my part, but if I have spent four months with you and have paid you thousands of dollars, I expect you to show up for our meetings.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. That's very much not unrealistic.
1: (laughs) Um, So she set us up like three times. Um, We had to go to court without her document. Mm -hmm. Would her document have changed the outcome? Yes, I believe it would have. Um, Would have. I would not have agreed to as much time as as he has now. Um, But it's still on file and we still have it for going forward. However, we would not have even had it at that point. So now we're June, July, August, September, October. Court's already done and we still don't have this document that we paid for. Mm -hmm. She wasn't during that whole time that we were worried and that she was standing us up for all of these meetings and she was not responding and she missed court. She was on vacation.
0: Y'all, she went on vacation.
1: (laughs) She was on vacation during that time. So the end of October, I wrote her a letter and said, regardless that you've missed court and that this is basically worthless now, I still want it. I still hired you to do a custody evaluation and I want it or I want a refund. I hired her in June. I did not get a document from her until November, and she had
0: committed to giving you one by mid-August, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which, you know, I honestly, I don't even feel like we came up with like a solid way that that could have been avoided outside of.
1: Honestly,
0: you could sue someone civilly for that. Like you would have to sue her civilly, but I almost feel like you have like court fatigue after going through that experience. And it's (laughs) like, who even cares at this point? Let's just be done with it. Like, I know that's probably what my mindset would have been. Um, but yeah, we are sending a letter, um, to, we ended up Googling like who the board is. And so we'll be sending a letter, a complaint letter. And that's pretty much the only way that we know how to handle that outside of the court. Right. So if you guys yeah.
1: have ideas, let us know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yeah. That is also a very real thing um, because both Eden and I are residents in Louisiana. We own property in Louisiana. She's in school. Um, I have a job, like we're solid residents of Louisiana. So at this point, I need to get it transferred to Louisiana. Mm. Um, Just the jurisdiction of the case transferred to Louisiana, which I'm sure is not even a hard thing. You know, you just, you go to court and you, you show property that I own. This is where she was born. This is where we've been. I don't even want to go do that. Like, I don't even want to go do that.
0: I mean, is there a reason to do that at this point? Or here's my question. If you were to do that, would you have to abide by those blanket rules instead of the specialized under three rules from Texas? So the
1: reason you would do that is because he's not a resident here. So it would kind of protect us in the way that he can't come back at us for no reason. Like, you know, we're expecting him to do for the rest of our lives. Um, and it would establish child support. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So there are some, some benefits to having it transferred over. Yes. Okay. So how are things going now? How are you feeling about everything? Are you, it feels like once you were able to kind of get that final resolution in that court date, that things have mentally and emotionally just been so much easier and less stressful.
1: So yes, mentally and emotionally they have, but, um, I think a lot of it is, I don't know for what reason he thought I wasn't going to fight for my child. And Mm -hmm. now understands that I am.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, that mama bear will come right out.
1: (laughs) So there are, you know, there are still things that he does that I do feel like are very unsafe. There are things that he does that I do not feel comfortable leaving her with him, but I understand I can't do anything about it. Um, Things in my favor, things that are benefiting us is even as the court time, he doesn't take all the time um that he wants or that he's entitled to with the court it's you know if he's supposed to, if she's supposed to spend the night there uh two nights in a row 90 percent of the time something happens and he
0: can't keep her that much um so or are you still tracking that for the potential of a future court date or is it just like kind of annoying but whatever
1: um, at this point, it's kind of annoying, but whatever. Um, I probably should be tracking it if we're going to go back to court in Louisiana. Um, but I feel like it's so easy to prove. I mean, mm-hmm. if I start it today, okay, we're going to document when we her back today. And so it's literally so often that that's, I don't know, I haven't tracked that particular part of it. There are parts of it that I have tracked. Um, I know for her first 10 visits, when she came back to me, we had to go to urgent care or the doctor six out of those 10 times. Yeah. So that's
0: like track.
1: (laughs) Yeah. As a mom, I don't feel like that's okay.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: but That is the reality that we're dealing with. And so now, um, now that We can file in Louisiana. And now that we know how the whole system works, when something happens like that, instead of sending him a text message or calling him or going off on him, I will write a one sentence email that says, on this day, we went to urgent care for this. This is what happened. And Mm -hmm. I knows, oh, if I get an email, something bad's about to happen. I better stop it or I better change it
0: you know, so you send it to him. Yes. That's actually a really good idea. Um, or even if you don't send it to him to like, just send yourself an email and file all of those type of emails into one folder in your inbox would be a really super easy way to track anything. And then you have like a, here's everything in chronological order. What's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that and then, um, let's see, there was something else. Oh, I feel like, I and mean, this is kind of where I am with it. Is she unsafe? I don't know, there's no real way for me to know what's going on inside their house, <clears throat> but I feel like as she gets older that is she unsafe is going to turn more into, is she uncomfortable? And mm-hmm. at that point, he is going to have to decide what kind of relationship that he wants with her. Mm-hmm. Because if she is uncomfortable, if it's not someplace that she wants to go, if it's not something that she wants to do, that's going to start a different set of problems. Right. So, so I think whether he's doing these things out of spite mm-hmm. or out of complete ignorance I don't know but I think as she gets older it's going to affect the relationship that they have between them mm-hmm. um and I do trust her enough to say hey this is what happened or no I don't want to go or you know or if yeah. she wants If she feels safe and she feels comfortable, you know, those decisions are going to be on him. Like Mm -hmm. he create the environment for his house and how safe and comfortable that she feels there.
0: You know, one interesting thing. So my, you know, my sister has gone through this with one of her children and, um, I know in different States, there are different laws. So, you know, in some States it's like 12 in others it's 15, Um, where the child can decide on their own, like, no, I don't want to go this time. And, um, in, I think, you know, one thing that my sister has done really incredibly well is even though, you know, the other parent is, I mean, straight up, like just a genuinely terrible human being, (laughs) just a really, really awful person, Um, hence the fact that they have to be on my family wizard and all of that kind of communication needs to be tracked. Um, you know, the one thing that she never did was try and, uh, tell her daughter like, Oh, your dad, this, or she never bad talked her dad. And that was one of the hardest things for us as a family. It is very hard sometimes to like hold your tongue and let your child discover who the other parent is on their own. But the reality is they will, you know, you, you don't even need to say anything as a parent, your child will come to that realization on their own, even if it's, uh, way, way, way far in the future. Like, you know, right now, um, the child I'm referring to is, uh, she just turned 16, and she just recently, like within the last year, really came to a realization of like the type of person that her dad is. And she did that on her own. You know, the only uh, time that my sister would talk about the other parent is if, you know, her child would come to her and ask a question about something um, specific, usually about like the custody or you know, something about the past. And my sister would literally just say, you know what, well, let's pull out the paperwork and we can look at this together. And And so that is, um, and she would literally just read facts. And so, you know, I think handling that, handling it in that way takes an incredible amount of like willpower. Um, but I think that it, helped keep the relationship strong between her and her child, because it didn't feel, uh, I could imagine as the, from the child's perspective, you don't feel like you're trying to be manipulated and you're not, you don't feel like both parents are kind of trying to pit the other one. Um, the dad was definitely trying to do that against my sister, but, um, but she, you know, do resisted I- that creating that experience. So,
1: um, Yeah. So well, I'll go fast because I know that we're running out of time, but recently we had kind of that situation. Honestly, we, we just don't talk about him a lot here. Like we have uh-huh. so much stuff going on that, and she doesn't talk like there's, you know, every mm-hmm. now and then at, <laughs> at, which is associated with the dogs and, and the stuff in the neighborhood, you know, and, and we'll uh-huh. yeah, there's a dog at dad's house. Like, um, outside of that, we don't talk about him. He doesn't talk. Um, But it does say in our papers that you are not allowed to have those conversations, um, defamatory conversations about the other person in the presence of the child. And recently, it just another one of those things that happened um he was at a restaurant with his aunt that we've you know mentioned earlier with her huge lack of integrity and the way that she just lies
0: and plays both sides of the fence um and he lets her so much for not getting into the gossip y'all are getting the juice over here <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the short version um she uh, and well, I mean, still, it just goes back to like shocking because she doesn't know me or like know anything about me. However, so he goes out with our child to meet this aunt for lunch and they just happen to be sitting at a table. Then the next table over is my neighbor
0: who they don't know. They don't know. Yeah. Who they don't know, but
1: he does know them. Um, so that to me was kind of a fun little, um, like, okay. So again, it it was an email, um, you know, actually, this is what it says in the paperwork. This is the conversation that you had. So, you know, it's not cool. Um, which is fine. It was just one of those, like, yes, I know that obviously following rules and paperwork isn't his thing, but it, it's going to make a difference in the future, a difference in the future and it's mm-hmm. just you know another thing to go in the documentation because yeah. who knows what it's going to be about you know when we have to go back to court the next time
0: like who yeah. knows what it's gonna be about yeah it's better to be prepared than than not so i mean i think really <laughs> the takeaway we always talk about advocating for yourself and i think the takeaway for this episode is if you're in this situation Document every single thing so you can advocate for yourself and your child.
1: Document every single thing so you can advocate for yourself and your child. And one of my favorite all-time quotes ever forever is, if people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we'll end with that, ladies. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Christy, for sharing all of this wisdom. I know it's going to help so many people. And if you are going through this experience, we are here for you. Send us a message if you have any questions. Obviously, we're not lawyers. We're just sharing from uh, Christy's own experience and my experience of walking through it with her as a friend. Um, But we're here. We're all in this together, y'all. (laughs) yeah all right we will see you on the next episode of the old mom's club and until then advocate for yourself (laughs) y'all and document everything
1: that's our cue to go and don't forget to follow us on instagram at old mom's club podcast and join our old mom's club podcast page on facebook